I like scotch. I know what you like. <laughs> but soda. You know, I've always been a little soft in the head where you're concerned. You surprise me. No, this is on the level. Bert's gone? Okay. I figured maybe there's a chance for me now. You know, I wouldn't drop dead at the idea of marrying you. Quit kidding, will you? No, I figured maybe one of these days you might have a weak moment. If I do, I'll send you a telegram. Collect. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Dahl. And this week, we watched the second film in the 1945 nominees, Mildred Pierce, a real bummer of a film. (laughs) It's super a bummer. We're agreed, like, literally every human being in this movie sucks, right? Mildred sucks. She's maybe the only one that I don't think sucks. She tries to frame a man for murder in the first 10 minutes. Does she, though? Does she? (laughs) Yes! She 100% does! But for her kid... And to be fair, her kid is a complete sociopath, so it's not like she would appreciate it anyway. Yeah. Here's the thing. Mildred Pierce frames a man for murder in the first 10 minutes of this film, and... When, at the end, the police are just like, you're free to go, that makes sense. She's the least morally reprehensible person in this film. She does have somewhat of an actual journey, which I don't think actually happens for anyone else. Maybe uh, maybe her first husband is the least morally reprehensible person in this, but I'm not quite sure. I'm not married to that. I'm going to be honest. Right, because he has a whole what the fuck is his vibe because of the code thing going on. Is he having an affair? Does he just like playing bridge with a boring old lady? Like, I don't understand. But a boring old lady who is not old, who is basically his same age and blonde. Yeah, yeah. We open with a guy getting shot, which is honestly kind of the most interesting part of the whole movie. And then we watch Joan Crawford, Mildred Pierce, drive away. And she briefly looks like she's going to jump off a bridge before a cop's like, please don't. It's going to ruin my whole night. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to go into the water after you. And I just, I'm not up for it. (laughs) To be fair, the guy that she frames for murder does suck. Because he is a human being in this movie. But she meets this guy that's apparently an old friend of hers at a bar. And he's like, I've been trying to hook up with you since we were little kids and it's never worked. And she's been like, yeah, that does suck. Anyway, do you want to come to this beach house where there's a dead body? I mean, where we'll hook up? And he's like, sure. And then she runs away, leaving him in the house with a dead body. The cops... I don't think it's because she called or anything. I think the cops just show up coincidentally. We do find out later that she picked up the phone to call the police and then hung up. But I'm pretty sure if you pick up the phone to talk to the operator and you say police station and then hang up, they still send somebody. (laughs) Right. Especially if your daughter leans in super close to your face and is like, it's your fault I'm like this. It's your fault. You have to save me. You have to help. The weirdest part of that scene is her screaming all of that directly into Joan Crawford's face and the police department being like, "Huh? well, there's no one there. Goodbye. Click. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, she gets brought in by the cops after the guy gets brought in by the cops and the cops are like, 
Well, I know he didn't do it because it doesn't make any sense that he was there. It was definitely your first husband. And she's like, no, 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 it couldn't be him. He's the kindest, gentlest, best soul in the entire universe. Here, let me prove it to you by telling you my entire life story. And then immediately, her first husband seems like a real fucking piece of work asshole in the flashback. Yes. Leaves her because she won't let it go that he's off playing bridge with this woman and also won't get a job. And she's always on his case about the fact that he's probably having an affair and unemployed. Well, I mean, to be fair, it does seem like the time in which he will not get a job is the depression and he has been trying to get a job and just gave up. Yeah. Not saying that makes it okay. I'm just saying there is a little bit of nuance here. The other weird vibe about that scene, the thing that makes this movie to me not just a bummer, but like just a really unenjoyable watch is because everyone sucks it is really hard to get a vibe on, like, who you're supposed to be supporting in a scene 90% of the time and what a scene is for. Like, this is this bizarre scene where Joan Crawford goes like, my children are always going to come first and that's never going to be a problem. And her husband is like, actually, our oldest daughter's a worthless piece of shit and she's always going to be. And I hate her and you should hate her too. And then it turns out that's correct. That's the correct take. Yeah, I mean, what a- He was right. (laughs) He doesn't quite say that. He does say our youngest daughter is, you know, 10 times the girl that she is. He says he's going to slap his oldest daughter one of these days. And Vita is the worst. He does not actually say that she is a worthless piece of shit. Turns out, though, she is, in fact, a worthless piece of shit. Or, at the very least, definitely a sociopath, right? Yeah. Definitely a sociopath. Yes. Which I think is quite interesting to see this this early in film history. (laughs) Because you essentially have the bad scene, except to... Instead of being a campy and enjoyable horror movie, it's this. Yeah, it (laughs) saves it for this third act rug pull, but also it doesn't. It's this weird thing where, spoiler alert, because don't watch this movie and I don't care if I ruin it. Vita, the daughter, is the one who murdered the guy in the first scene. That is what the entire movie is building up to. It is supposed to be this sort of third act twist, but also from... I don't know, 25 minutes in, I'm like, oh, so it's the terrible daughter. The terrible daughter did it. (laughs) I don't know that I was that clear on it 20 minutes in. I was pretty clear 20 minutes in that she had something to do with it. So whether or not it was that Mildred shot her second husband because he was sleeping with her daughter or what the situation was, it was pretty clear that Vita was going to have some kind of participation or influence on this situation and then it turns out that actually that is what was happening it's just that vita did the shooting as well (laughs) i had this thought watching it everything that's plot relevant to the police you don't get to until like the last 15 minutes of the film 
I guess they're just giving her enough rope to hang herself with. Right. In the police detective's office where she's telling all this, she must be like, anyway, then I got a job as a waitress and I worked there for quite some time and made best friends with the woman that hired me. And so when I decided to go into business myself, she was, of course, who I chose as the business manager. And it's like, your husband died, lady. (laughs) Like... (laughs) What are you doing? Not just died, has been shot six times. <laughs> not like your husband died and we're not sure if it was, you know, uh, suspicious circumstances. He's laying dead in the beach house where you and this other guy were. And he's full of bullets from your ex-husband's gun. Her husband has been shot to death. The body is not cold. And she's telling like a fucking shaggy dog story about Pasadena real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then her youngest daughter dies of pneumonia while she is off for the day with uh, the guy who ends up being her second husband, who also is a real piece of shit who takes money from her and then eventually sleeps with her daughter. Yeah, there's this thing where, like, there are three love interests for her. There's the first husband, there's the second husband, and then there's the business partner that she tries to frame for murder. And all of them are forever saying another one of them is a piece of shit. And you're like, well, you're all right. All of you are correct. (laughs) It's supposed to be a little bit of a surprise, I think, that the second husband turns out to be an asshole. And it is only because every piece of foreshadowing is someone who's also an asshole calling him an asshole. Oh, I didn't feel like it was a surprise at all. I mean, once she went home and her kid is in an oxygen tent and then dies five minutes later, which again, she was gone for the day, right? It wasn't like she ran away for a week and left her kids at home. Yeah. That's a very, very fast turnaround on being diagnosed with and then dying of pneumonia at the age of seven eight i don't know young yeah because kids are pretty resilient (laughs) but as soon as that happened and mrs peterhoff who is the woman that her soon-to-be ex-husband has been playing bridge with but they're separated at this point legally Mm -hmm. is in the room i was like Oh, no. No, 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 no. This is the thing where she is being punished for even dating before her divorce is final, and so everything is gonna go to shit, and he's a real piece of work. He also seemed a little too good to be true. And then as soon as he was dancing with Vita at her birthday party, I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I was right. (laughs) Yeah, that is about the point where it becomes obvious, but that's about two minutes before... He gives his whole monologue about, like, you smell like grease and I've always hated you. Money, please. (laughs) Everyone suddenly turns on a dime about class in this insane way in this movie. It is how everyone does their heel turn is to, like, scream at Joan Crawford for working for a living. And she's apparently done a really good job. She went to work as a waitress and then, you know, months later opens a successful restaurant that ends up being a successful restaurant chain nationally. And they're like, yeah, you smell like fried chicken. As far as I can tell, she has not been in a kitchen for, you know, a couple years at that point. It's insane that the daughter is the one giving this monologue because it's just like you can never run the stink of new money out of a person. And it's like, bitch, that's your mom. 
what are you? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. You're not old money. <laughs> um, <laughs> that none of this has anything to do with the murder. Eventually, Vita is such a terrible person. She gets married for the money and then gets a divorce for the money and claims she's pregnant so she can get some extra cash, screams at her mom that she's new money. The mom slaps her and tells her to, like, go away. And then the mom immediately for... I guess just mom reasons is like, I regret this, even though my daughter has done nothing to make me regret this and continues to be a sociopath. But seeing her have to work at a seedy nightclub that her business partner runs, which, hey, um, what? Yeah. Like, I... (laughs) And doesn't tell her. And the way that she finds out is her ex-husband takes her to the nightclub so she can see it. And I don't even think it's necessarily a seedy nightclub. I think it's just seedy that her daughter is performing at what seems to be a tiki bar. Right. In a crop top. I'm also very unclear how in on the con. So that from here on, Vita's running a con, right? This whole coming back into the family thing is a con to try and get her mother's business that eventually works. It's just that it ends up all in the name of the second husband. And then the second husband's like, actually, I think you suck. And the second husband is trying to sell his share because he just wants the money, I guess, to get out of it. Oh, is that what was it? Okay. Yeah, that's why the third business partner, who is the guy who's always been trying to sleep with her but never pulls it off, says that he has to buy it from her because otherwise she's going to go bankrupt. Basically, everybody's going to end up not having a controlling interest from the three partners because sleazy second husband is trying to sell off his share. Okay, I guess it's still a long con. The whole point is Vita's like, I'll only come back if I can live a life of luxury like your ex-boyfriend who's a sleazy guy who thinks you smell like grease showed me. And so she goes like, hey, sleazy guy, please marry me. And he goes, oh, it's so tough to be marrying Joan Crawford. I guess if I owned a third of your business, I might put up with it. And she goes, "Ugh, fine, I'll do it for my daughter. (laughs) And then, yeah, he's selling it. She's running up debts because Vita is a terrible sociopath. And then Vita is also hooking up with the second husband and it's like, he's going to divorce you and marry me. And he's like, no, I'm not. You suck, too. And she's like, how dare you? And shoots him and then goes, it's your fault that I shot a man. Help me cover it up. That's where we come back to the start of the film. And the cops are like, I knew it all along. Take the daughter away and you're free to go, Joan Crawford, because apparently framing a man for murder and helping cover up a murder are not crimes in the universe of this film. Yeah, I mean, I guess just because it had been a few hours, maybe it wasn't enough of a cover up. (laughs) That's the only thing that I can... Yeah, I mean, if we've learned anything from the last four years, it's if you crime bad enough, technically it's not a crime. I mean, that's the only thing that I can figure is why she is free to go. Anyway, then she goes out and sees the first husband that the movie decided is apparently the way to domestic bliss. And the code demands she and him wink at each other like, oh, we're going to get back together. So that's the end of the movie. Wait, was it the first husband? I thought it was the business partner. No, it's the first husband. Oh, I guess so. Okay. 
I mean, I don't even know that domestic bliss is something that this movie is interested in offering her. <laughs> I mean, her good kid is dead. Her bad kid is going to jail. The guy that she was in love with turned out to be a total crook. And the guy that she divorced to be with him was kind of a lazy piece of shit. But I guess now he has a job, so... Yeah. That's something. Yeah, everybody in this movie sucks. It sucks as a murder mystery. Because after the first 10 minutes, nothing is really relevant to the murder mystery until the last 20 minutes. So there's just a full hour of this that's just a woman talking about starting a restaurant business and meeting a sleazy guy. Yeah, I fully forgot about an hour in what the conflict of this film was and then had to remind myself, oh yeah, it started with a murder. (laughs) Yeah. It's also one of those things where I don't know if it's just that class really worked that differently or I've just never met a real rich person or what. But like this is one of those movies that's idea about like how rich people are and what striving rich people are is just so bizarre and inhuman to me. Like the way everyone turns on a dime and just screams like, you work, you work, you trollop. And it's like that isn't. Like, even people who think that don't just scream that at people. Like, that isn't how that works. It's also quite interesting that it is basically World War II is over, right? And already we have a movie that is nominated for Best Picture that is questioning whether or not a woman working is actually okay. Despite the fact that she's been very successful, is obviously very good at it. Yeah. Consistently, the major issue is not whether or not women should work, whether or not they could be good at it, but whether or not it's appropriate. (laughs) Is it tacky for women to work? Mm, It might be. (laughs) I think it's that, but I also think that's actually giving this movie too much credit because I do genuinely think the moral of this movie is she can't do business, she's a mother, and that means you're always going to love your daughter more than your business. Because consistently everything that goes wrong goes wrong because she puts Vita first. Or is it that everything goes wrong with Vita because she put her business first? It's not. Vita's a psychopath. Yeah, Vita is actually fully a psychopath. (laughs) But does this movie know that Vita is 100% beyond any kind of repair? See, this is actually why I feel like Mildred Pierce is not the most horrible person in this film. Because my god... Imagine if you were a mother and you lost one kid and then the other one turned out to have zero conscience, just does not care about anything at all except stuff for herself and will fuck up, ruin, destroy, and literally kill anyone so long as she gets what she wants. That's a pretty tough beat. To be saddled with that as a mom. I agree with that. And i it's actually why I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it's structured as a mystery. If we actually knew from word one that Vita did it, then I would actually care about way more shit that happens in this movie. But instead, everything is like, and then after all of that, the daughter is the murderer. And it's like... Honestly, the fifth worst thing she does in this movie. (laughs) By the time you know she shot a guy, you're like, yeah, but like, if we're listing why Vita's going to hell, I'm not sure that tops the list. Yeah. (gasps) Yeah. I think 
extorting <laughs> a young rich kid for money by lying and saying she's pregnant when she wasn't is pretty extraordinary. And clearly pretending to be in love with him and making him fall in love with her. Like at the divorce, he's like, I don't understand. Why aren't we still married? Yeah. It's also super ambiguous to me. So the business partner's in on that, right? I don't know that he is in on the extortion. I think maybe he thinks the pregnancy is real. Because what's his kickback, you know? Yeah. He's just getting paid sort of as a lawyer. It's not like he gets half of the 10000 Because Vita doesn't get it because her mom tears up the check. Right. Which also is wild. First of all, their checkbook is going to be very unbalanced. And second of all, like, she wouldn't go and just ask for another check. Vita is shameless. Yeah, I don't really understand her as a character. I think it is also being too kind to say this movie is intentionally making her a sociopath. Because that scene where Kay, the youngest daughter, dies, Vita seems genuinely broken up about it. I don't think this movie is smart enough to actually intentionally have her be a sociopath it's just that's the only explanation for her behavior that makes any sense well and that's why my question is does this movie know that the issue is not that mildred picks vita over her business but thinks that the issue is that mildred picks her business over vita i think this movie thinks that like you can never balance the two it's like you can't balance work and family and your daughter will murder someone if you try Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I don't think that that is a fair thought to have. I think that that is a fair assessment of what this movie is saying. Can women have it all? No, because their children will become murderers who sleep with their stepdads. And absolutely, her stepdad is a fucking creep and a predator. And I'm not trying to let him off the hook here at all. But as far as I can tell, Vita is an adult by the time that happens. Barely. (laughs) Yeah, there is a specific part where they are gallivanting around and Joan Crawford's like, she's 17. So like, I think by the time they're like actually hooking up at the end of the movie, she is of age. Because I think the end of the movie party is like her 18th birthday party. But they also make it very clear that like they've been hooking up for a while before that. So... Or if nothing else, he has been laying the groundwork for that. Yeah. Since she was pretty young. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, what this movie demonstrates is sex negative culture is not great. No. (laughs) But in a way, like, did she even sleep with that boy that she said she was pregnant by? We don't know. (laughs) He seemed pretty naive and like he wouldn't know one way or another. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, you're pregnant? We did kiss. (laughs) It definitely addressed that in a way that was, or it just didn't address that, I guess. (laughs) It's a really very, very strange way that this movie handles anything to do with sex or relationships in light of how we view them today. I mean, if nothing else, this movie very much fails the screen test of time because so little in this film would make any sense within a 2021 context and it's not looking at it in any way that's critical of this idea that if you're a mom and you have a job then your kid is gonna get fucked up 
it ends up just being boring. My main thought was, oh, so boomers don't have a monopoly on like this weird vindictive feeling that your children are all ungrateful mooches that will murder you and destroy everything that you've built. Vita does not exist as a character. She exists as like this force of nature to ruin Joan Crawford's life. And apparently in the novel, that's like even more so. In the novel, all of that is true, and she gets away with it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yikes. She doesn't end up being punished in any way for sleeping with the stepfather, with the second husband. He does get a divorce and marries her, and she becomes an incredibly successful singer and moves to New York with him after ruining Mildred's life. And Mildred's like, okay, well, I'm just going to build a new life with my first husband and get drunk and live in Reno sad and knowing that I will never rise as high as I once did because my daughters destroyed me. Damn. That sounds awful. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it is one of those things where when I read up on the novel, because I was like, well, obviously the code ruined this movie. Oh, the code actually made this novel better. It still sucks, but all of this movie's problems are actually even worse in the novel. Right, but they created an entire framing device for this film. That isn't even a thing that happens in the book. Yep. They turned it into a murder mystery when actually it's just the story of a sociopathic brat who ruins her mother's life. I want to make it clear. I do think the framing of it as a murder mystery is bad, but I do think having there be a murder is the only interesting thing in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I actually think that's a good change. They just structured it badly. It's not a good movie. (laughs) It's not a good movie, and it's really, really depressing, and it's not even the bad seed. You know, it's not even pulpy fun. It's just, wow, all of these people are bad and hurt each other in various ways, and yeah, I genuinely felt sympathetic for Joan Crawford's character, only because she was surrounded by a lot of people who were worse. Yeah, it's just a lot of terrible shit that happens, and then the movie's over. Yeah. (sighs) It's a very short movie, but it felt like really long. It was sort of a return to those early 30s movies where we would watch that I would be like, how does time work like this? How has it only been five minutes? That scene felt like an hour. I didn't feel like it was that long, but two, yeah. Yeah, I two. Two feels too low. Because I will say this. I think that Joan Crawford gives a very good performance. I think that Anne Blythe as Vita is actually giving a really good performance of a horrible character. That's fair. (laughs) And she's 16 in this movie. Jesus. Yeah, she's bringing a lot of complexity and a lot of layers to this character who is a monster. And it's a very impressive performance, especially for a 16-year-old. And I'll say that Zachary Scott as the creepy stepdad does do some good work because even as I was suspicious at the beginning of their relationship, he does a very good job of being the courtly, sweet, seductive guy who seems really genuine and then turning on that dime. (laughs) But they're the only three in the movie I think are really giving impressive performances. The guy who plays her first husband is terrible. But yeah, I'm going to give it a three for three good performances. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give it a two because I don't actually think the stepfather's that great in this. Also, because, I mean, the one black character is kind of a racist stereotype. Kind of? (laughs) Yeah, extremely a racist stereotype. 
So I'm knocking it down to a two for just Joan Crawford's good and Blythe is good. The rest of the movie is bad and they're in a bad movie. Don't watch this movie. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, don't. Watch Mommy Dearest instead of this movie. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, not great. But next week, we are watching The Lost Weekend, which won and has a Oh, wow. It has a terrible poster. Oh, I disagree. I love this poster. It is wild as shit, but I love it. Okay. It is a 1945-ass poster. That is for sure. It is not good, David. This design is terrible. (laughs) No, no. I like it. I like it. There is a difference between liking something and it being good. (laughs) Here's what I will say. I think that there are things in this that are good. I think there are things in this that aren't good. I think that this poster makes it look like he is bludgeoned to death by a giant volume of a book called The Lost Weekend. And if that does turn out to be the plot of this film, is that a man's neck is broken by a giant book, then this is the greatest poster ever made. And if not, then some wild swings were taken here and I like this. That's a choice. I mean, if it is about a guy who gets bludgeoned to death by a giant book, then sure. I'll agree with you with that. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out if that's true. And until then, I mm, this was a shit show. Yeah, it's a shit show. It was remade as a, like an HBO miniseries in like 2011. It was HBO, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. With Kate Winslet as Mildred Pierce. That was like peak HBO miniseries time. Like that's when they did the John Adams one too. Like that was going to be their thing. And then it really wasn't. Anyway, this eventually becomes a miniseries that kills HBO doing miniseries for like five years. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. Oh, mother, it's beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. Hey, how about me, young lady? After all, I picked it out, you know. Marty, it's the nicest present I ever got. You're sweet. Really, you are. Let's go for a drive. Nothing I'd like better. Marty, do you mind? I'd like to talk to you. Why not at all? Run along and dent your fenders. All right. See you later at the club. Mm-hmm. Be careful, darling. I will. Au revoir.